This is an AMI podcast. I'm Kelly McDonald. I'm Ramia Amadin, and this is Kelly and Ramia. Remember to check out the podcast, ladies and gentlemen. Subscribe using your favorite podcast platform. We'd appreciate it. When you're in there, maybe give us a rating and review. You want some reasons to do that? Maybe after the show, if you're just joining us, we'll give you some right here. This is Cut for Time, Ramya Muthan. She's at the studio in Toronto. Kelly McDonald here at the Home Studio in London, Ontario. Joining us from his studio at home, uh, Grant Hardy, to do our execution here of Cut for Time, where we talk a little bit about some of the conversations we've had over the past week. And maybe it wasn't appropriate. Maybe we literally ran out of time or had to say, okay, I got to zip my lip for now, but I'll pick on this on Friday or I'll respond to this in some way. On Friday, we call the segment Cut for Time. So I'm going to let Grant come on in here. He's going to start us off with something from Monday. Welcome, Grant. Hey, folks. Thank you. Don't usually go with a techie one, but I thought this could be kind of interesting. On Monday, Mike Babcock talked to us about pass keys. Here he is explaining how they work. Yeah, so pass keys is interesting. Um, it is, and this might seem a little far-fetched to people, especially if you haven't been in the tech world, uh, but pass keys is a password passwordless future, which means we can at some point in the probably not too near future, say goodbye to the password. Um, and so how pass keys are uh, set up is they are a, a uh, encrypted key that you have a a copy of the key that will unlock and that copy of the key can be stored in your iCloud or one password uh, database and that will unlock so you don't have to enter or remember passwords and they are more secure than passwords because you can't just use password one two three as mm. your encrypted key yeah i just wanted to mention a couple other things that uh, i not sure that we got into as much uh what why i really dig pass keys is uh a, they are, in order to use a passkey, you require a couple of different elements. One is something that your site has access to, Facebook or Google or whatever. But one element is something that only you have access to, which essentially means that um, they cannot be fished. Uh, they cannot be stolen. Like nobody can hack into you know, randomgamingforum.com, steal the database, and all of a sudden they have access to your passkey. That's just not how it works because you need a couple of elements basically put together uh, to get it working. So I think that's really cool. The other thing is, as I mentioned, just the phishing resistance and the resistance to some security concerns. Like it's it's very unlikely that, you know, someone's going to hack, you know, Google's database or, or maybe your bank. But so often we end up using the same, maybe even highly secure password on, I'm going to throw it out there again, randomgamingforum.com. I hope that site doesn't actually exist, <laughs> uh, which may not have quite as good security. Then someone hacks that pass that site, gets your password, then tries it on Google and hello, they have access to your Google account. So I think this is going to be really awesome. The only problem that I can see, especially in the blind community, is a lot of uh, devices, especially maybe blindness specific, like uh, the the uh, Braille note takers, let's say. They're often uh, running very old versions of the software, uh, and they probably will not be updated to incorporate passkeys for the very mm. for, uh, foreseeable future. And I think that could be a real problem, uh, Kelly, for, oh, sorry, uh, 
uh, yeah, Kelly, we're going to use, sorry. Uh, that could be a real problem for people trying to adopt this technology. Yeah, I, I wonder, because I know uh, sticking with the, the low vision blind community, even just positioning sometimes, as so many of us get more used to the feedback we get from our phones for the camera and what have you. Uh, I know love it's lovely to be able to use it to go to your bank. Bring open your app, hold it in front of you, and it you know confirms you, and away it goes. And and uh, Michael mentioned that in there too is that connection that so many of us would like, and I I do, <laughs> I like it. But I remember when I first got my phone and the facial ID, it took me a bit, and I had to do a little online research. What, what am I doing wrong? And learn hold it out in front of me this distance away. But that that seems counterintuitive. Shouldn't it be closer to my face? But as a blind person, I don't know what that eye of the camera sees. What that you know and and how much or how it's done it so you know on that level so i i'm all for this as a person who is not the greatest at remembering the password probably sticks to too many not easy but easier ones however if i have to make up passwords i ramya have have really gotten comfortable with a naming convention oh hmm. yeah <laughs> i don't know anything when you're um using icloud keychain as one of these password management apps uh, or yes programs, I guess, uh, you <laughs> often get the opportunity to use strong password that I, iCloud Keychain created. And I can feel my hesitation, like obviously this is oh, the yeah. best case scenario, but then I'm thinking, but I'm not going to be able to remember it. And what if I lose access to this, that, and the other? Because that's the other thing, right? Like there's still a lot of uh, workarounds for not doing really ridiculous things like putting our passwords all in one Microsoft file and just leaving it out mm -hmm. for people to see and all these mm -hmm. different ways that we deal with passwords. So it is, cre you know, clearly the best case scenario to just use biometrics uh, and um, other ways to just get rid of passwords altogether and move on to these passcodes. But Grant, you pointed out some proper concerns. And also, I wonder if this, like other things, as we move on to newer ways of using technology, will just throw people off so much that they don't opt in and continue to use passwords because they're too nervous about what could happen or mm -hmm. understanding what this is. Yeah. It, it's interesting because I worry on the level of when I have to go back and maybe enter a password anyway. Like, I, you know, I get annoyed on my phone having to do it once in a while. Use the facial ID. But in theory, if I don't get used to changing it or whatever, yeah. it, it would be a problem. And eventually you do need some form for things to, to be able to, in case something weird happens or whatever. And unfortunately, there will be cases where, like wearing the mask, if you forget yourself, and a facial ID couldn't get you or, you know, the... the and there's the, workarounds the with that now too. Yeah, and most cases, it gets it. It understands because they've made the adjustment to capture more maybe of your eyes, your 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 eyebrows and so on. So really interesting. Cool, cool to bring that up, Grant. On Tuesday, we um, had SDT major Tim Turner with us. He joined us to talk about Operations Pegasus Jump fantastic uh you know event and and he filled us in on it so do check it out via the podcast but before we got to that he shared with us some thoughts on remembrance day i think we're seeing uh what we have i think is good um we do have quite a good uh participation in these events uh i was living in alberta that's where our brigade is in edmonton and i used to run the largest uh, parade in Alberta, which was at the Butterdome at the University of Alberta. 
we'd have 5,000 spectators and uh, we would have close to 800 on parade. Along with that was the only broadcast uh, service in the province. So that was also televised. Um, wow. My daughter's a principal in uh, Edmonton and they, the schools do a fantastic job at educating the kids and holding assemblies and bringing the veterans in. Um, so, yeah, I think we're set up for success. I think it's going well. I love the image I got in my mind, Tim, I will say of the Butter Dome. Um, you know, I always struggle with where we used to be when I was a kid to now with Remembrance Day. Do we do enough? Do we have access to enough of the service? Even if you necessarily can't be there at a cenotaph when something is going on at 11 a.m. in the morning. I really needed to hear him say he thought we were doing well here in this country because it's that thing that you really don't ever want to dishonor anyone, don't want to show the, the lack of respect lest we forget. Don't want to do that. And I know we've got enough going on in the world right now that it's pretty hard to forget war, conflict, death, and what is given up for others to have their freedom. So I really needed to hear that because I know myself as a person who I think I've always done well. I've tried very hard to be there for that minute or two at 11. I certainly think about it. I certainly try to learn a little bit about the history of, of individual wars and what people gave up. Um, or or at least to say thank you. You know, I'm not saying I need the, the morbid curiosity of every battle, everything that went on there, um, and that makes me feel like I'm aware or being more aware and being understanding. I, I think it's that taking, as we talked about, National Day of Truth and Reconciliation, find something that you relate to that you want to learn about. Every year it may be something different. It may be that same thing, that that day means a lot. And as a black Canadian, it means a lot. As a disabled Canadian, it means a lot that these folks went over and, and have given me a freedom, a chance to exist here in, in Canada. And I'm, I'm, I'm sure many others feel the same way. It's something hard to articulate. You hear me stammering, you know, but it's a lot of emotional feelings, wearing the poppy, doing the things that are really little. Um, and you look at the legions right now, very much struggling for multiple reasons, a lot do coming to the pandemic, you hear that as an item, but you just really want to say simply, thank you. And I think that grant is the key. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there are a couple things here. I, I just think that, I think you, we really value things that are scarce. And one of those, of course, is memory. Uh, that, you know, that's the whole point of Remembrance Day is like, how could you forget something as big as these events? But when we look at other things from our history, they are just so distant that people don't really know or think about or comprehend them anymore. It's it's distant, distant memory. And I think that's one thing that's really important about Remembrance Day is, is just, again, kind of keeping the, the memory alive for some of these people you know who essentially went all over the place without much or any choice fought you know terrible in terrible circumstances uh and ultimately came home maybe without enough tools support to kind of overcome some of that trauma so i guess it's yeah it's just one of those things of 
you know, whatever our thoughts are on sort of the politics involved, just really honoring those individuals who gave their hearts, their souls, their bodies, and in some case, their lives to help preserve the world at home. So again, I just really think, Ramia, it's, it's all about honoring those individuals and fighting the battle of like the scarcity of memory and forgetting. Yep. Exactly. There's so much that we have going on from day to day, our distractions, our priorities, our lifestyles, our, our people, our mental health. There's so many things, right? And uh, I, it's obvious that we just put a lot of um, these precious things that we need to be grateful for, not just things, people, efforts, all kinds of things, history. And we put all of that stuff on the back burner just because of our own daily lives. And that includes those of us who know the struggle firsthand or secondhand from uh, parents and people before us, the, the kinds of efforts that people have gone through and we have gone through to get here, to be here, to sit where we are today, off the backs and shoulders of those before us. And, you know, for very obvious reasons, like I pointed out, we put all these things aside, but we have to. You know, it's the same as setting an alarm for a, a, a reminder of anything else, we need to focus on the days, focus on the hours and the moments uh, tomorrow at 11 a.m. Whatever it is, all of these different, different things throughout the year, it's so easy to just toss it and say, okay, yeah, yeah, I get it. I'm appreciative. Uh, I remember. But no, I'm talking like really mentally focus on what it is, on who it is, and all of these different efforts that we've pointed out throughout this week uh, on other people taking that opportunity and taking that time is a reminder for us to do the same. So set your alarms and do it. On Wednesday's show, as the last thing we want to um, bring up on Cut for Time, on Wednesday's show, Corinne Van Dusen spoke about this year's Rock and Roll Hall of Fame inductees, and he or she is talking about the diversity involved with the event this year. Yes, it was a grand night indeed for a show of uh, diversity, as you just said, a strong representation of women and black artists. So the show opened with Cheryl Crow, who was being inducted. She took to the stage with Olivia Rodrigo. And when performances happen there, usually a lot of musicians come in to uh, help sing things. So Stevie Nicks. Uh, joined her and Peter Frampton. So uh, that's that's pretty hard rocking, as they would say. <laughs> Gosh, what, uh, what a sound that would have made, right? With those mm-hmm. voices. Oh, or yeah. playing. Yeah. All of them playing, all of them singing would have been amazing. Another, um, another amazing thing, Shaka Khan was uh, inducted and Sia and her and uh, Common all came together to sing stuff with Shaka Khan. So they had the absolute, it would have been amazing to see the, I feel for you, ain't nobody sweet thing. And then of course you can't have Shaka Khan without I'm every woman. And that apparently brought everyone to their feet. It was just, you know, it it was the the party atmosphere that you needed. I think you can tell you still get that rock and roll vibe. Uh, and energy, as Corinne's talking about, the excitement and the um, the moving and the diversity and just the excitement, like, I don't know, energy around all of this. But 
also, if you kind of take in year after year what the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame is doing and um, these events themselves, how they're being presented, how they're being perceived, you can definitely tell that there is a shift. It might be a gradual shift of the needle, but it's happening. And when you go back to what this was 10 years ago, 20 years ago, it's a very different kind of thing. And I'd love to see more of this everywhere. You know, any kind of inductation or or um, award ceremony or just parameters around this, that, or the other, everything is kind of becoming more or less diverse, but I want to see more of that going forward because the more we can recognize the importance of the diversity, the more fun we can have with it, right? And the more that everyone can be involved and feel less oppressed, less annoyed, less like we need to boycott this, that, or the other. And hey, if something like just doesn't work anymore, a particular kind of award ceremony or uh, accolade, then toss it. Well, it's easier said than done. But that's just how I feel about it. I really think that we're at a time where if we can appreciate it and we can't move forward together and and embrace everybody and hold hands, then why does it exist? Because we just, you know, don't have space for these things anymore. Kels. Shaka Khan. Shaka Khan. I used to love that in the song when it would begin, man. Loved it. Um, such great words, uh, really amazing what they've done and how, uh, out of all, I think you'd sit back and say, what music style would be the most accepting of all genres? And I used to think it would be dance or, or rap because they sample so much and, you know, that kind of thing. But so wonderful to see what the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame has done. Grant, thank you for being oh, with us, man. Fantastic. Thanks, guys. Go put some Shaka Khan, Shaka Khan on, would you? Uh, we do this Cut for Time on Fridays. Catch us next Friday for another edition of Cut for Time. Up next, let's wrap up the Friday edition of our program. Swing that gateway to the weekend wide open for you. We'll see what's going on over the weekend on AMI-audio and AMI-tv. Got a closing moment for you. And we'll preview Monday's show in a moment. We'll be back with more of Kelly and Ramya after this short break. I'm Margaret Shepard of the AMI podcast, Tripping On Air. Every month, my co-host Alex Hajar and I spill the tea on what it's really like to live with MS. Watch Tripping On Air on YouTube or download wherever you get your pods.